You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Oni Mori Verabi This Fas Amis, as we've mentioned many times, was uh, lost his uh, father at a very early age, and so he was raised by his grandfather, the Chidushe Harim. So there are many teachings which he cites having heard from his grandfather. Many of them, which when he heard them from his grandfather, he was still very young. He didn't even understand what his grandfather was saying. And so throughout the Sefer, he keeps processing and saying, I remember my grandfather said this, and this is what I think he may have meant. This is what he may have meant. It's very beautiful to see um, you know, the, the kind of holding on to all these thoughts until he's mature enough to truly understand them. But here's an interesting one that the Chidushi Arim Hegid said, B'Shem Harav Mi Pershischa, Zechron Levracha, in the name of Rabbi Simchon of Pershischa, for those of you who, um, who enjoy these chains, so here's how it works. You've got the Baal Shem Tov, early uh, 18th century. His student is the Magid of Mezrich. He's the student of the Magid of Mezrich, the greatest of whom is Rabbi Lamelech of Lezhensk, the Noam Lamelech. Rabbi Lamelech of Lezhensk had a number of students. The greatest of those was the Choza of Lublin, the seer of Lublin, Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak of Lublin. Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak of Lublin had his uh, greatest of his students was the Yida Kaddish, the holy Jew, Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak of Prashischa who had a student called the B'sim Chabunim of Pershischa. B'sim Chabunim of Pershischa is the famous B'sim Chabunim of Pershischa, who, from him, came all the, um, a certain, a specific branch of Hasidus, including Ger, and Kotsk, and Vorka, and uh, f- uh, a few of the other ones. Um, but, uh, so, the Chidushi Arim, who was a student of going back to Pershischa, so he said, I heard from my Zaydi, who said in the name of the Pershischa, who made a fascinating observation. Liros, that he sees, a hamisnagdim al hatzadik. Whenever you have people who are attacking someone who's righteous, what do they choose to attack every tzadik about? It's really, really a very simple formula. The Daber Alav, they always talk about him, Davka, the Midaham Sukenas Etzlo, Yoser, the attribute which the Tzaddik has fixed the most. It says a fascinating thing. If you have a Tzaddik who works on his Avas Yisrael, his love for Jewish people, then all of a sudden they're going to attack him, that he doesn't love Jews, and that he's mean to Jews, and that he doesn't care about anyone. If a Tzaddik would work on the attribute of uh, silence, so that they would talk, even though he's always silent, they would talk about, about how much he talks. It's a very strange phenomenon, but that is the way that it works, that a tzaddik is always attacked in the area where he is most, most fixed. So he says, the first time this happened, is Kasher Amru, when they said about Moshe, what's the fight about? Why do you raise yourself above everyone else? That's the accusation against Moshe? Of all the things they choose to accuse him, you think you're better than us. We just had a few parshiyas ago. Moshe was the most humble person in the history of humanity. 
And he behaved that way as the most humble person. And the one accusation is, you know, Moshe, we think you're a little bit too much into yourself. So that's what I heard from Isaiah. So the Svasamis is trying to figure out how that works. How does that work? What's the practical process? Like, it doesn't make any sense. How could it be that people should look at a tzaddik and not realize that of all the things we shouldn't accuse Moshe of, it's arrogance. He's the, he's the humble person. How does that happen? So the Svasemis wants to suggest an interesting suggestion, which I think is probably not what his grandfather meant, but nevertheless, this is what he suggests. I'll tell you why I think that, and you'll tell me if you disagree. So I'd like to add to my grandfather's words. And I think that it works like this. Because Moshe Rabbeinu is so humble. So he wasn't, he didn't think like an arrogant person thinks. So he would do things which arrogant people would see as arrogant, but he's doing it because it's humble. This is a little bit tricky, but that's the way it works. Right. So it, it, but it, 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 and it's not just things that are vague, but things. So, for example, for example, you know, there's a famous joke they say about this guy who comes into a new town and he. is walking through the through the streets and he sees this one guy who looks like a real a real bum like a real schlepper is what we would say in, in Yiddish this guy is clothing and he smells and you know is, is, he looks really bad so um, he asks someone you know who is that he says, oh this is the town Anav we have our one humble person in this town and his job is to be the humble person, so that's why he looks like that. He's like, really? Is that humble? Man, that's a, let, me, let me test out his humility. So he says, he goes over to the guy and says, you know, could you help me carry my bags to, to the place where I'm staying? The guy looks at him and says, me, the town Anav, carry your bags? Who do you think you are? Right? So th- th- there is that kind of... You know, the arrogance which is within the humility. And so Moshe Rabbeinu was truly humble. But when you are truly humble, you do things that seem like you are portraying yourself as being humble. So arrogant people are always going to see that as arrogance. Oh, he thinks he's so humble. Uh, Because they, arrogant people, are always trying to be humble. So they're doing things such as, no, please, 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 no, no, you go first. They better let me go first. No, you go first. And they say that with one thing, and the person says, no, no, listen, you're so humble, I get you're humble, but no, really, you should, you should, fine, I'm going to go first, but only, I'm going to go first, but only, I'm, not because I'm, I'm really supposed to go first, but because I just want to be able to give in to you. And then they enjoy being first. That's the that processing. So, but Moshe Rabbeinu was just so simple that he was just truly humble that they would read into all of that. So he says, Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't even have understood how to be arrogant. 
לכן לא היה ניכר בעיני ההמון בכנס הניבוס שבו. So people couldn't understand his humility because it didn't look like what they perceive as their own humility, which is fake. So we are all so lost in false humility that we cannot read true humility. We're all so lost. You talk about this, this concept of, you know, we're so self-absorbed that we think we're kind and generous when really we're doing everything for ourselves. And then we get upset when uh, the, uh, the famous, uh, you know, the, the person who is... Uh, um, gives an anonymous donation by anonymously dropping a, a, uh, an envelope into, under someone's door but walking away very slowly with the hopes that that person or someone will notice who it is that's dropping the anonymous envelope. So we're all thinking like that. And then, even if we're not, we're thinking, okay, I really need to be anonymous. I don't want that person finding me. But how great would it be if the whole world would know that I'm, I'm the anonymous donor? We just, we can't help it. We're machines like that. We're, 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 we're wired that way because we're selfish. And for someone to truly overcome that is so foreign to us that we can't comprehend it. Right. That's, that's, I think it's a little, it's, you, have to, you have to adjust slightly to go in that direction, but I think you're right. That, that's all part of it, because we're always projecting ourselves onto someone else. And that's, that's, that's just the, the nature of the way we are. So when we, we see someone in a certain, certain situation, we just automatically assume that they are guilty of whatever it is that we are internally guilty of. It's the same way we interpret texts. You read a text the way you feel, not the way they meant right. it. You read, oh, that's great. You think, oh, he's being sarcastic because you're feeling sarcastic. Yeah, yeah. But, but the, this, is, this is in the terms of people's behaviors. So he's saying that this is why, because uh, this is still not going to explain. If, if let's say I have, uh, pick a random mitzvah, let's say I have uh, trouble with um, telling the truth. So if I, if I, if, if I'm a, a liar and I'm always lying, so I'm going to read into other people um, that whatever they're saying is lies. But, you see, what the Sfasemis wants us to be able to reach this further place to suggest not only that we're going to see liars where they're not, but that we're going to see in the greatest tzaddik. We're going to see in the greatest tzaddik who always tells the truth to see lies in him that requires a real stretch of our imagination but that's that's the so according to what he's saying he's going to say you know for example i uh, say this quickly my grandmother she wrote a book um, she should live and be well um, and in, in the book she tells the story um, it's it's all about how different people survived the uh, world war ii so one of them is she wrote the story of my grandfather who was put on a, a on the kinder transport to be taken from uh, from uh, Germany to England, and um, in the book, my great grandmother, my grandfather's mother, gave him on his way out as he was getting on the train. She gave him twenty-two bars of chocolate. That's because what else would survive a whole train ride? So he ate all twenty-two bars in the first hour because he's a little kid and he was scared. So, so my, my my grandmother submitted the book to the editor. The editor said, 
22 bars of chocolate is too much. No one's going to believe the story. We need to change it. She's like, it's a true story. So I know, but it's not going to be believable. We have to change it to 17. So, um, <laughs> it's a real story. So I, my grandmother told me that this is right after the book came out. She told me the story. It's great. And so, she, um, the book was published. It came out. She, uh, um, she got a phone call from someone down the block who said, uh, oh, Miss, Mrs. Warch, we, I read your book. It's wonderful. Um, just one thing. You said 17 bars of chocolate. But the story was exciting enough. You didn't have to exaggerate. <laughs> that, that was the first call. So she thought, you know, 17 is an exaggeration. But that's... And you see, when the problem is that when you're telling the truth, you see, when you tell true stories, they're less believable than if you invent stories. Because when you invent stories, you make them believable. True stories, life is way more shocking than anything that you can invent. So a person who's always telling the truth, always telling exactly the truth, is never going to be believed. There's no way that that happened. There's not, you know, and everyone, everyone in, in their, everyone in this room has stories which if you said that that happened, people just wouldn't believe you. They think you're just making it up. And that's, that's, that's where he's going. That the person who's truly humble, it's just so, they, no one could possibly be that humble that we're now accusing them of arrogance. But the point here is, because the truth is that what's really important is what's on the inside. And we are people who focus too much on what's on the outside. Regarding Korach, it says, the, uh, the Gemara tells us that there was a certain um, rabbi who was digging in the ground. And they found a grave, an intact body, a complete body. And the guy who was buried in the ground for hundreds of years said, do you guys mind? You know, I'm trying to sleep here. So he said, well, before we cover you back up, you're kind of whole. What happened? So he said, all my life, this is what the deceased person said, all my life, I never experienced jealousy. And we know the verse states, "Verekev atzamos," the rot of your bones. Kina is from your jealousy, and so if you're never jealousy, then then there's no rot that sets in. The body is, you know, just like all the animals are supposed to fear you. The maggots are supposed to fear you too. Right? Why should they destroy your body? Their body should remain intact. There are many great righteous people. They have found them to be completely intact. So the, the answer is because they didn't experience jealousy. So he says, Verekev Atzamoskina, the word Verekev, which means Enrat, is the same numerical value, Gematria Korach. Right, they're both 308. Because for him, he's jealous of someone else because he's missing the inside. I, I, I wish I could spend the rest of the class just on this one point, but uh, I'm, I want to get to another piece as well. But... Um, and what, he, what this Fasemis is really saying here, and I don't know if I have the words to give this over correctly, so I'll, I'll try. But what we're really missing, and this gets worse every generation, is that as human beings and that as people, we aren't real. We're not real to who we are. We're not real 
to the world around us. We're not real with the people we interact with. We are just so fake. There is this entire persona on the outside of us, this person that we've created that we show to people. And then there's all this stuff that's going on on the inside, which is a completely different human being. And so we, we splice ourselves into, we partition ourselves almost. And you'll see that there's something very um, wholesome about someone who their inside and their outside are more connected and people connect to such a person because that person is real. That's why kids are so, little kids are. Right. That's why ch- children have not yet done that, right? Kids are just so real. Now, of course, the problem with that is that they have no filter, right? Like they say, if, uh, if, um, if, a, if a man tells you that you're ugly, then he's, uh, then he's blind. And if a woman tells you you're ugly, then, then she's mean. But if a child tells you you're ugly, then you're just ugly, right? So, <laughs> so, because they, 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 they process, they, they haven't yet created, because they haven't been trained yet that they have to look one way and act another way. Something hurts them, they start to cry. What do we do when something hurts us? We pretend, we find some corner to cry, and then, and so he's saying that that's what Korach is. Korach is about presenting himself one way, but in the inside being complete, something completely different. But are different. we supposed to, if we're working on Amidos, that isn't a good one, that we're trying to get better, isn't it better to have the out, outer calmness if you have a rage inside isn't it better to try yeah, to for sure and then we and we continue to work on ourselves that's true yeah what you're saying is that you can be real in the negative way that's true but nevertheless being fake is still not the same as being in other words if if someone really it really upsets you you just want to punch them in the face so and you control yourself so that's not you being fake you being fake is you pretending to be that person's best friend which is what we do so, so you could say, you know, I'm really upset with you. If, if it wouldn't be that, um, that there's probably some camera somewhere, I might punch you in the face. Um, so you can even say that and, and be real about it, not saying that you should say that. But, but real and fake isn't how you act, it's how you present yourself. So he says, Well, Moshe and Aaron, they are the internal das, das, knowledge, the reality of the Jewish people. They illuminated for all the Jewish people. And that's why Hashem chose them and elevated them. The light on the inside turn them into a good person. And that's why you'll see that the people are drawn towards um, people who illuminate rather than people But everyone knows those people who everything about them is everything is, is all on the outside, the way things look, and they, they present themselves a certain way. People looked at Korach and he looked like he was a wonderful person. But you can fool some of the people some of the time, but eventually everything cracks. He says, Aaron walked around like he was a simple Jew, but he was so rich on the inside. That's why we say about Aaron Shesulim Beves Hashem, planted in the house of Hashem, Bechatzoras Elukenu, in the courtyards of Hashem, Yafrichu. That's why his stick sprouted all those fruits, because that's what was on the inside of him. That's the sign of the staff. 
Laharis that shows Kipnimius Shilodavik Peshorish that he's rooted pun intended, in in the place that's good, Vidok, and think about this more, Kikatsarti Vinizek, as I've written this so briefly. Okay, so he has another version of this um, on page 117. Tafresh Mem Gimel, which is three years later, he comes back to a similar subject. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Korach, is it not enough to the Bnei Levi? He says, you guys are the Levim. You were given the job of to be a Levi. The Aaron, Mahu. Who is Aaron? What is this Aaron that you're... What do you think Aaron is? The Isa. So the Gemara tells us, Vayikach Korach. Korach took. So it doesn't say in the Torah what he took. It just says, Korach took, and these people, and those people, and those people, and they came before Moshe. What did he take? So the Gemara says, He took himself. Vayikach Korach means not Korach took, but he took Korach. What does that mean? So says the Tzvah this is what it means. The Isa, the Mishnah in Pirkei Abbas tells us, Ha'omer, Shali Shalach, V'Shalach Shalach. Someone who says, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is yours. Chasid, that's a pious person. person who's willing to share of their own, and also willing to let people have what's theirs, that's a, a pious person. Shalach Shali, V'Shali Shali, but what's yours is mine, and what's mine is mine. Rasha, that's a wicked person. So, the Svasamis is going to give an entirely new approach to this. You think this means that someone believes that your house is my house, and my house is my house? There's no one who believes that. There's no wicked person who believes that. There's no wicked person who says, whatever you've got in your pockets, they're really mine. That's a crazy person, not a wicked person. It says this is what it means. Ki b'nei Yisrael, the Jewish people, kal echad Each one of us needs the other one to accomplish what the Jewish people need to accomplish. V'hachasid, but someone who's truly pious, tolam asim tovim shelov is a chusacherim. So someone, someone who's truly pious says, you know why I'm able to do mitzvahs? Because I have such good people around me. Because there's righteous people in my life who guide me, who teach me. And so the reason why I'm able to do so, shali shalach, v'shalach shalach, what's mine is yours. Meaning the mitzvahs I do are all in your merit. And your mitzvahs are in your merit because you're all such good people and I wish I was as good as you. V'harasha, while the wicked person, he says, you know why all these people are righteous? because I'm a good example. I walk around, people look at me, and they say, when I grow up, I want to be just like him, and that's why all there's good people. So Sober, he thinks, Shikala Olam Niza Mishvila, he thinks the whole world is being sustained on his merit. Yeah, he sees himself. Oh, that's me, that's me. You know, this is... He says, That's the holiness of the people of Korach. That we're doing the most mitzvos. All the Jewish people are only holy because we, the carriers of the Aaron, we're the righteous Leviim, we saved the Jewish people by the golden calf. This is all us. Like, why aren't we getting our just reward? Not, you know, not because we, we want the reward. We just feel like we want to be able to accomplish more good things. You know, it's all, you know, 
We just want to, we want people to appreciate what we do so that they're further inspired by what, by what we do, right? All, all for the, he says, Aaron did not speak one word. Why doesn't Aaron speak up the entire Parsha? Vehemen, because he believed, Ki harabim over the Savadoso. Aaron believed that he is really not truly righteous. He believes the only reason why he's accomplishing anything is because there are so many people who are cheering him on. There's so many people who need him. And so their merit empowers him to be able to accomplish great things. Because he's the messenger of the Jewish people. He thinks his messengership empowers him to do... It's not, he's not, not lost on him that he's able to do the service in the Beis Amikdash and that he has the proper intentions. He knows that he's doing that. But he's only doing that because all these people are banking on me. They're relying on me. And so I'm, I've, he's inspired and he's, all these people are watching me so I have to be good. No king without people. Right. right. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu answers them. Hama'atmikem? Is this, is this too little for you? That you guys are the Levim? Kilomar, ilu bechinas avodas alvim oyemitzad amatzmusan if if the level that they have, which is the service of the being the Levim, Hoyimitzad at Musan, at Musan Gamkein, Dayavahoser, meaning that that itself would be enough. If they were Levim based on their own merit, if you guys would be Levim because you guys earned to be Levim, that would be a pretty big deal to become a Levi because you aren't being a Levi. But other Rabbah, but you should know the other way around is true. In other words, Moshe is not saying this, but he's saying that, I don't understand, you guys believe that you've earned everything that you have? And you reach this high level of Levim because you earned that? How, how could that not be enough? Because you're, you're almost at the top and you're saying it's all on your own merits. <coughs> But the whole point of the Kohen Gadol, of being the high priest, of being the servant of Hashem, is that you don't exist. There's a concept in the Gemara that, uh, that a, a, the messenger of the king, when he goes out and says things in the name of the king, doesn't have to say, the king says. He can say... By my power, by my command, I tell you, he can speak like that on one condition. And that is that he's completely and absolutely nullified himself to his task. And that's why the angels say um, about themselves, that as if they are speaking like they are Hashem, and and they give, they speak like it's Hashem speaking because they're so nullified, and they've so removed their self from this process because that's what an angel is, that they, that they are the messengership. So he's saying that's what the Kayin Gadol is. That's why the whole world can rely on him. Moshe Kosovitz says, Tola Eretz al Belima, Hashem hangs the earth the whole planet is suspended on blima, which means on nothingness. There's nothing holding it together. And the Gemara says, not on nothingness. 
on the person who's nothingness. Mishu who ka'ayin, someone who becomes like nothing. Moshe says, look at Aaron. Aaron believes he's nothing. You want to know how you can tell when someone's really a nothing? Watch how they behave when a fight breaks out. Because it's very easy for people to be humble and kind and nice and helpful. But then, when someone says something to them that insults them, how do they respond? And if, you know, yesterday we talked about that, that little mouse that's dropped in the room filled with, with cats, right? If, if, uh, if all it takes is you drop a little mouse and, and the cats drop all their, all their stunts and tricks and they run after the mouse, so if, if you're humble and nice and kind, but then when someone hurts you, you lose it, then that shows that all of it before was fake. And so Aaron proves that, because he's quiet, the entire Parsha, the entire Parsha, Aaron does not say one word. I believe that no one is able to ever do this. No one is able to be silent unless you truly are humble. Which is interesting, because you'll say, well, fine, I'm going to be really humble. What am I going to do? At the next fight, the next fight, that someone's going to say something to me, I'm going to be absolutely quiet, and then people will say, ooh, that person is really humble. Says the Svazemis, you won't be able to. You cannot do it. Because when a fight breaks out, when someone messes with you, they hit you in that place, at that point, it is physically impossible unless you are truly that kind of person. Are you asking what about situations where you need to defend yourself? Uh, so then that's your choice. There's never a situation where you need to respond in a fight. There never is such a thing. Um, the, the, if, you're, if someone is doing something to you, you can walk away or you can defend yourself, obviously, but that's got nothing to do with responding back. Get involved, getting involved in a quarrel, there really is no... Now, what if you're defending someone else? That's not you quarreling. But if someone walks over to you and really says something hurtful, and you feel like for your sake you need to say something, that's good, but you should know it's because you're not truly humble. So you do have to say something in order to protect yourself, but if you were really humble, that's what he's saying. Right. To be like dust. Somebody accuses you of something, you should So accusations are different. The Gemara talks about where um, there was a certain... Okay, I, I, I can't say this on the recording, but it was a certain rabbi who was accused of being the kind of person who would be unable to be the father of his children. So he, he responded, says the Gemara, why did he respond? That was such a st- stupid thing. Says the Gemara, because since someone would take his silence as, as an admission regarding his children, so he wasn't allowed to, but even there he gave a simple response and walked away. But, but there's a response, and then there's a response. Right. He says, So says, says the Svasam, it's an amazing thing. It's Aaron's silence which proves him to be the Kohen Gadol. No one knew that Aaron is truly the Kohen Gadol until Korach challenges him. 
And then when Aram proves that he's not, yeah, whatever he wants, whatever they say about me, that proves that Aaron is the Kohen Gadol. V'yitachan lirmos, so that's what Moshe means when it says, Boker, in the morning, V'yoda Hashem, Hashem will make known who is his. So, what does that mean? They come to Korach Kanz and says, you know, you guys, you're, you're, you've made the whole thing up, why should Aaron be the leader and all this? And Moshe says, tomorrow morning we will know. What does that mean? Because tomorrow we're going to have a whole um, showdown. We're going to have a, a competition to see who can... He says, no. The fact that a whole day will go by and Aaron will still not have spoken... That's the proof already that he's right. Because people would not know before the righteousness of Aaron. Until this fight came. Because they're both being tested. Aaron withstood the trial. The Korach lo amat and Korach did not withstand the trial. Says the Svaz Emes. I don't know where he got this from, but this is what he says. This war, this battle, was actually supposed to be. There was destined to be this fight between Aaron and Korach. But it should have been for the sake of heaven. And then it would have survived the, the, the test of time. As I explain elsewhere. But, so, but then the PR was created already. Yeah, that's the proof that it had to happen because the consequence. Right. The consequence right. So he's saying that this, this fight had to happen. Why? Because it needed to happen that the Kohanim are still the Kohanim because of Aaron's choice. It says, Cohen, he goes up to Duchan, he It's not, I'm not nothing, right? The, the Chafetz Chaim once uh, called over um, Rav Schwab, famous story, and uh, he said to Rav Schwab, you're a Cohen? And he said to him, no, the whole long discussion. But then he says to him, well, I'm a Cohen." The Chafetz Chaim said, you know why I'm a Cohen?" So he said, why? So he said, because when Moshe Rabbeinu called out, Mila Shem Eli, who is with God, come to me. So my Zaydi went and yours didn't. Right? Which is, what he's saying is that the Kedusha of the Kahuna, it all goes back to Aaron. So Aaron, Aaron needed to go through this test and this trial, but it didn't need to be like this. Yes. So Aaron is also a great peacemaker. So my question is, why did he try to make peace? So you're supposed to make peace between other people. And, uh, and, but when someone fights with you, you're just supposed to stay silent. And actually, it's Moshe Rabbeinu who's trying to make the peace. Moshe goes to Dasna Viram, tries to talk to them. He's the, he, that's his job here. So he says, That's why Aaron is actually promoted after this. As it says, It says by Avraham, Now I know. Now, what does that mean? Does, did God not know before that Avram was going to pass the test? Of course he knew. So what does Atta Yadati mean? Now I know. It means now it is known and it is clear and visible to everyone. After Avram puts him up, Hashem says, no, no, take him down. So what was the point then? The point was, Elohim Nisa as Avram. He was testing Avram. But what does the word Nisayon also mean? To be a nace means to, it's a flagpole. 
right? That's the, the flag is on, uh, and the sun is the kabbetz kol yisenu. A nace is a miracle, is a flag. It's something that you hold up high. Elokim nisa is Avraham, which means that Hashem can hold up Avraham and say, this is the kind of person who he is. And then Hashem says, ati yadati, now I know. That's what Moshe means. Boker v'yoda, in the morning it will be known, meaning of course Hashem chose Aaron. But people will say, well, but why? How do I know it's really real? And here comes Korach and challenges Aaron, and Aaron says not one word. Aaron. He says, How are you jealous of someone? How can you be jealous of someone who has no self? Who has no Shakal All of Aaron is nullification. In fact, how could you be jealous of someone? who thinks that the only reason why he's able to do anything is because you are a guide to him. And this is the idea that Gemara tells us that a person is never, person is never jealous of either their children or their students outshining them. So, and the simple psychological explanation is because they're me. On the contrary, they're reflections of me. I'm the one who made them this, so that just shows me to be even greater. Right? So if someone, if someone sees you and thanks you for being a guide and a good influence in their life, so when they become great, it just, why would you be jealous of them? You're the cause of it. So Aaron looked at every person as if that person was their guide, um, was his guide. He's nullified. He says, you can't ask to be a Kohen because that's the exact opposite of what qualifies you to be a Kohen. You can't ask for Kohuna. Kohuna can only go to the person who doesn't want it. Right? And unlike you know, the other famous story with the Katsuka Rebbe, as I mentioned uh, recently, about the, uh, the Gemara tells us that whoever flees from honor, honor chases after them. If you chase after honor, then, then it runs away from you. So this one student came to the Katsuka Rebbe and said, you know, all my life I've been running from honor, and it uh, hasn't, hasn't been chasing me. Right? So he said, no, it doesn't work if you keep turning, looking back to see if how far behind it is. Meaning, you're just pretending it doesn't work. You can't demand kahuna because you're disqualified by asking for it. So Aaron, you got to find the person who doesn't deserve it, and that person could be the Kohen Gadol. Yes. Would all these qualities of humility apply even more so to Moshe? Because he's the most humble of all men. So he, he talks about that later on the Sefer. He says that the problem is that, um, that Moshe actually was supposed to be the Kohen. Um, but I'll just mention it uh, very briefly. But, but the problem is that um, you've got a person who's so humble that their humble causes them to become unable to function because of their humility. And so Moshe Rabbeinu, who spends seven days fighting God, that he doesn't want to go redeem the Jewish people from Egypt because he's not deserving, he really meant it, but that's seven more days that we were in Egypt. And so there's a, there's a concept of, uh, you know, when you... There's some people, they walk into shul, and they're hoping that, um, that someone's going to ask them to daven, to be the Baal As soon as they walk in, oh, uh, but what do they do? So they have to pick a place in shul where it looks like they don't want to daven for the Amr. And, and maybe, maybe they'll even hold their sitter like this, so that people should think that they, they don't want, and then... 
and no. then when someone comes to them and says, uh, maybe, maybe you do shachras for us, no, 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 sore throat. I mean, if you're really desperate, if you're really desperate, you have no one else, but otherwise, <coughs> sore throat. I mean, I think I'm feeling a bit better, but you know, it's just from, it's just residual from, from a few days. And they go into this whole long process where they are, at that point, uh, it's already, it's already out. So, so he says that, that not refusing enough, and and uh, and refusing too much, so he says Aaron is actually more balanced in the realm of humility. That he says that later on, and that's why Aaron's chosen because Moshe ends up being Moshe is now past that. He's not faking, right? Moshe is past the point where he actually goes, "No, Hashem, I don't think you get it. I really am not the right person for the job." And Hashem says. I think you are. He's like, no, no, no. If you would know, you know, the things that I've done, if you would know, Hashem says, yeah, I know the things you've done. He's like, and Moshe says, well, how about him? Hashem's like, just go. He's like, okay, but what about Aaron? And at that point, Hashem says, you know what? You are going to be the coin. It's not a punishment. You're just, you're not able to do that because the coin's got to be able to, to take the carbon. If the coin, you bring a carbon and then the coin says, you know, I don't know, do you want me? That's a pretty big Avera. I don't know if I can atone for such a big sin. Maybe I'll get a better coin and, you know, get you the assistant manager and he can help you out. You know, that's, that's not the right thing. And so Aaron is this balance. And that's what Parshas Korach is, the eternal, the eternal merit of Aaron coin and all the Kohanim. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.